0: You know, last week, Paul hit the ground running in Romans chapter 1. After a sort of a brief introduction of, of who he was and, and, and who he's writing to, he hits the ground running on the fact that um, there are people in this world, there's an evil in this world, who ha- they have denied God as creator God, supreme God. And so when when people deny God as creator, then what they do, they believe obviously he doesn't exist. And if God doesn't exist, then there's no reason to need him to provide for our needs. And so because of that, man becomes God. Man takes care of all of his problems. And that doesn't go real well. There's a lot of people, you look in our society and look at what's going on, it's like, that's not really going well. And so, Paul is saying, look, they're, they're gonna come, they're, there's going to come a point, and I think we're there, and, and there's been points throughout history where God's like, all right, well, if you don't believe in me as creator, and you don't believe I exist, and if you don't need me, and if you're desiring sin, well, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I think it's those times that God sort of folds his arms says all right y'all, y'all go ahead let me let me know how that works out for you and so we have really come to the point i believe when god is handing us over to our sinful desires in fact look at the last verse of chapter 1 it says this although they know god's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death they do uh, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And so last week as we, as we read that, we're, as, as a believer, we're like, yes, Paul, don't hold back. We need to tell people how bad they are, how they're living certain lifestyles that, that go against your word. And we need, to, we need to let them know that they are acting in a way that is leading them to hell. Paul's calling things as they are and calling people names. He's rallying up the crowd. He's rallying it up. I want to see like a, like a Trump rally. Everybody's just getting excited. Yes, yes, Paul, say it. These thugs, they need to know what they're what they're living like, how the life of they're living, and how they're going to hell. Almost to the point to where we feel like that we are newly appointed supreme judges in God's court. Don't you feel like that sometimes? You look at the screen, you look at your your phone, and you look at what's happening, it's like, yeah, they... They, they, need to, they need to suffer the consequences, and yes, they, they will. And so you look at what's going on in the world, and we set ourselves up as a newly appointed supreme judge in God's court. So we're ready for chapter two. Oh man, if chapter one ended like that, if chapter one ended like that, what is chapter two? going to say? Because, I mean, Paul was on a roll. So let's read chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to read just as verses 1 through 11. So here it goes. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself." because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you know, show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your Unrepented heart. You are uh, storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's judge- wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All right. That didn't go as we thought it would. Paul was leading us down this path. This path of, of, of basically telling people, look, you're living this life. You, you don't agree that God created the world and, and you're living a life of sin that God's handing you over and whatever you want to live, God just crossing his arms and saying, all right, go have at it. And, and Paul was going down this road and all of a sudden, he takes a hard right turn. Actually, he does a bigger turn than that. He turns right back to you and me and says, all right, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. He turns around and talks straight to us. It's kind of like, I mean, it's a classic tattletale. It's a classic tattletale. With six kids, we've had lots of tattletaling going on in the Bennett house over the years. To where a kid would tell on another, and they're sitting there behind the parent, and they're shaking their head, right, at the other kid who's in trouble, and the parent is just chewing them up, spitting them out. And, and the other kid's like, the tattletailer? Yep, and then all of a sudden, what happens? The parent turns, and mom is better at this than dad, because mom has eyes in the back of her head, and she can see what's going on with the one who told what was going on. And so she turns around and says, all right, now it's your turn. And the tattletailer's like, what did I do? What did I, I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. You passed judgment. You passed judgment. And so Paul, Paul is, is, is basically saying, look, who made you judge? Who made you supreme judge in God's court? When you and I pass judgment on people in sin with a, with a straight halo over our head, Jesus could very well turn towards you and spank you with the sandal." just as much as as the one living in sin. You and I are commanded, not suggested, we're commanded to share our faith and make disciples. So what gets in the way of that? When we look on the TV or our phone and we look at the thugs of life, people living in sin, and we think, that needs, that is destined for hell. And we become supreme judge, anointed by God in his court. Let me tell you something. There's only one judge, and it's God himself. And he doesn't need a court of judges. He doesn't. He doesn't need, you know, nine judges, seven, five, three, whatever. It just takes one, and he, he can handle that by himself. And so, what gets in the way of, of, of sharing our salvation story to others is the fact that you and I, we put ourselves as supreme judge. And, and kind of a couple of points with that, with, the, with us putting ourselves as supreme judge, you, you can't reach people. You can't reach them if you're trying to beat them. You can't reach them if you're trying to beat them. If you're trying to one-up on people trapped in sin, then you're not gonna be able to reach them with the gospel message of Jesus. We're living in a time where it's so easy to pass judgment. You know, one thing that's for sure, there is a definitive line that, is, that, is, that has been drawn in our culture, in our society, even in the spiritual world, there's a definitive line. In fact, this line, is, is, it's not just a line. It, it's really become a crater. It's become almost a grand canyon of, of separation, of different groups of people. And some may say it's political, some may say it's economical, definitely some will say it's racial. But it's not those things, it's spiritual. There's a spiritual line and even a ravine, a canyon that has been laid between two groups of people. We are too focused on shaking our heads at those on the other divide saying, I can't believe those people. We're too busy doing that that we can't hear Jesus say, I sure love. I sure do love those people. Here's a great question for you. Listen up. Here's a question. It's real simple. Can you love a thug? Can you love a thug? You know, someone living in sin. That's who we're calling that. Someone who's, who's just living in sin, has no regard for God at all. can you do that. The, um, so we can't reach them if, you, if you're trying to beat them. And the other thing is you can't reach them if your life agrees with them. You can't reach them on the other side of that chasm, you can't reach them if your life agrees with them. So you can't call out people uh, living a, an alternative sexual lifestyle if you're looking at porn. Because guess what? Homosexuality and porn is all in the same folder <laughs> called sexual immorality. You can't reach them if your life agrees with them. You can't look at, a, at someone who is, is trapped in drug addiction and, and alcoholism, and you look at them and, and you pass judgment on them whenever you know, you, you've got some issues with how much food you eat. So, you can't reach them if your life agrees with them. Now, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not. I'm not here to condemn me. And trust me, your pastor had to look at some things in in my own life and say, all right, if you're preaching this, bro, you need to make sure that there's some things in your life you need to confess Or you need to look at differently. You know, I've just, my purpose is to enlighten you that we are all sinners in need of a savior. The same Jesus who knocked on the door of your heart and flooded your life with his presence until the tears of joy flowed down your cheeks is the same Jesus who wants to repeat that expression to the thugs of this life. He wants to capture their heart So here's your assignment. Look past, look past all the the surface things, the rioting, the screaming, the, the cursing, the yelling, and just say this, look at them, look at them in the eye and just say, Jesus loves them, Jesus loves them. Another thing that gets in the way as we read on and. In uh, 12 through 16, Romans 2, 12 through 16. Obviously, the the thing that gets in the way of us sharing our faith to the thugs of life is we make ourselves the supreme judge. The other thing is what I call Christian privilege. We've heard of different other types of privilege, but have you heard of Christian privilege? We're gonna find that in in, uh, 12 through 16. And it simply says this. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God's judgment, uh, when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. So Paul is talking about Jews who sin while under the law from God, presented by Moses. Just because a Jew hears and reads the law, talk about the Torah, the first five books in the, in the Old Testament, by Moses, just because they read it, doesn't make them righteous. That's what Paul is saying. Righteousness is for those who obey the law. It's one thing just to read it, it's another thing to obey it. Now, I'm not really talking to a lot of Jews here today, but I'm talking to people who claim that they are followers of Christ. So just because you attend a Christian church or have a Christian Bible or listen to Christian music or have a Christian doormat or have a a, a scripture on your Instagram profile, it doesn't mean that you are righteous. It doesn't. Don't use your Christian privilege as a way to show off your righteousness. That's basically what this section is saying for us. Don't use your Christian privilege just because you're Christian and you, you have the, you, you're, you're in the family, I, I mean, Christian family. I tell my kids all the time, just because your dad is a pastor of a Christian church, don't don't think that you are righteous just because that I'm a pastor. Or don't think you're righteous just because you attend church. It's bigger than that. It's, it's all about beyond just reading or listening to the words of God. It's obeying the word of God. So don't use your Christian privilege way to show off your righteousness. It's those who obey God's word. So, us as supreme judges and our Christian privilege will get in the way of doing what we're called to do, which is to share Jesus and to make disciples. Another thing, Christian hypocrites. Oh, we've heard of this word many, many, many years. Christian hypocrisy, Christian hypocrites. We see this in verse 17 through 24. And it says this, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others Do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Again, Paul is talking about Jews here, but we can apply the same biblical truths here as Christians. Paul is saying that that Jews who boast in the ability to be a light of truth yet break the law themselves are hypocrites. We see this in our current political climate with politics, We see and 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 I don't care what party it is, we see people say one thing. It might be years years ago, might be months ago, weeks ago, but then they turn around and and they do something totally different. Well, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do this, and now they're doing it. You know? And we see this and we're like, okay, does anybody else see this? What's going on? A lot of political Hypocrisy. Man, we're singing it, seeing it big time. The same can be said for us as believers. We can't stand for biblical truth and also live a lie. We are confusing the world. We are confusing the world. You know, I mean, you're not gonna be perfect. But you know the best thing you and I can do when we mess up, own it ask for forgiveness of those you, you may have harmed, you may have spoke against, and move on. But many times Christians don't go to that point. They, they mess up and they go into hiding or they try to, you know, polish it over or tell another lie to cover another lie to cover another lie. When all the while, the nonbelievers, the people searching for truth and hope in this world, they, they look at us, SMH. Shaking my head. That's what they're doing. Shaking my head. Hey, we're confusing the world. We need to be an exact model of Jesus. I have here a model. Now, I would have to admit, this probably isn't the best kind of example in today's climate, but just work with me a little bit. So, this right here is a a model of a car from a show that I watched as a kid. Bo and Luke Duke. Oh my gosh. My brother and I, we were Bo and Luke Duke. I was Bo, he was Luke. And man, H. 6 and 9 man we we wanted to be like bowen Luke duke you know maybe have a cousin look like daisy <laughs> but we man we love that show and and my brother for w- one of the birthdays he he uh, he gave me this this model took forever to put it together and And so I put this model together, so it's an exact replica of the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazzard. Except that has a flaw. Can you tell what the flaw is on this model? Um, The doors are open. If you really know the Dukes of Hazzard, like I know the Dukes of Hazzard, you'll know that their doors were welded shut and their doors never opened. They climbed in and out of the window. And this right here is a flaw in that. We need to be as best as possible the exact replica of Jesus. Now, we're not gonna be perfect, just like this car is not perfect But we need to be as close as possible the model of Jesus Christ, the closest replica of the life that Jesus lived. And we can be if we devour the word of God, spend time in prayer, invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, and and let the Holy Spirit give us the power and the ability to walk in victory. We can do that, we can be an exact replica of Jesus Christ through that power. But you and I, we can't be hypocrites in this world. We can't because we are ruining our witness. So things that get in the way of us sharing Jesus, sharing the salvation, the gospel message, We set up ourselves as supreme judge. We use our Christian privilege and we become hypocrites. And then another thing we do, we become Christian atheists, Christian atheists. Let's read in uh, verse 25 through 29, Romans chapter two. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcised merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is inwardly, and circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Apparently, many Jewish people believe that those who were circumcised, and I'm not gonna go into what that is, most of y'all know who that is, but the word circumcised were by definition saved. They depend on our salvation. He's talking to Jews, Christian Jews, and he's like, you know, just because you've been circumcised outwardly doesn't mean that you are saved. You know, they would not be judged by God even if they broke his law. That's their thinking. The ritual for them was enough to establish by God even if they broke his law. The ritual for them was not enough to establish their salvation. Based on what Paul is saying in verses, basically, uh, especially in verses 28 and 29, we can say this, the same thing with us. A Christian is not a Christian who is one on the outside only. You're not a believer if you are just a believer, a Christian on the outside. That's a Christian atheist. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God but lives like he doesn't exist. A Christian atheist believes in God but lives his or her life in a way as if God doesn't exist. And let me tell you, there are a lot of Christian atheists out there. There are lots of Christian atheists. Let me give you an example. Let's say today if if I was preaching and I put on a University of Alabama jersey. And I'm wearing that Alabama jersey and you look at me and you're thinking, for those who know me, you're thinking, all right, he must have lost a bet (laughs) or something must be cuckoo in his head because I know Frank and he wouldn't put on an Alabama jersey. For those who are Alabama fans or watching online, you know that and I'm sorry. Got a great team. You won yesterday. We didn't. Because those who know me, I'm a I'm a huge LSU fan. Last year was our year, probably not this year, but it's okay. It's always a rebuilding year, right? But I know this, and you know this, if you know Frank Bennett, you know okay, Frank Frank went to LSU. Man, I got I got a uh, a full scholarship. Met my beautiful bride there. Our first date with, uh, together was an LSU football game in Tiger Stadium. I stood in line for basketball games, wait, waiting to just to watch Shaquille O'Neal play. I sang the national anthem in a basketball game with Shaq standing next to me, and all this stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I don't bleed purple and gold. My wife does because she's from there. But let me tell you. I'm a huge LSU fan. If I were to stand here today with an Alabama jersey, you say, well, he might be be saying he's an Alabama fan, but he's not one in his heart. I know that for a fact. Very similar to the life of a Christian. Oh, they may go to church, but (laughs) I know what they did Friday night. You know, they they may... uh, they may listen to some Christian music, but man, they act a different way. And so, when you and I believe in God, and I, I believe, I believe, you know, that in the University of Alabama, that I could care less if it existed. Why? Because <laughs> I really don't like the University of Alabama. I'm an LSU Tiger, and so you and I, you and I as believers, if we champion the things of the cross and the things of Jesus, but our life is a different way, we may believe in God, but we live a life as if he doesn't exist. That is a Christian atheist. So the things that get in the way, from us accomplishing our mission. And again, reminder, our mission, our mission in life as believers is to go and make disciples, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we set ourselves up as supreme judge in God's court and when we use our Christian privilege, we, we have a hypocritical lifestyle, or if we live a life that we believe in God but live like it doesn't exist and it's a Christian atheism, then Paul is saying, look, you, you need the gospel just as much the person I talked about in Romans chapter one. So what advantage in there is to being a, a Christian? or even a Jew, and, and Paul goes in this, so as we move on over to chapter three, verses one through eight, I'm just gonna go to the verse 20 today, but three, one through eight, it says, what advantage in, and I, I wanna remind you, don't think of this as in chapters, even though I just said that, think of this as one just complete letter. The, what advantage in is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Would their unfaithfulness unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument, certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, Let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. So, you and I, as as you may say, what advantage is there to being a Jew? Or in in our case, what advantage is there to being a Christian? Well, we are entrusted with the very words of God. As a Christian, You and I, we have the very spirit of the living God living inside of us. Paul answers another question. What if I'm unfaithful? You know, Frank, you just shared lots of things that that makes me unfaithful. I could be a hypocrite. I could be a Christian atheist. I can set myself as a judge to judge other people. So what if I am unfaithful? What, what does that mean that God is unfaithful? No. Paul explains that God's faithfulness does not depend on the level of our faithfulness. And aren't you so glad about that? Aren't you glad that, that the way that you live your life, your faithfulness to him, does it depend on, on his faithfulness of you or, or even reverse that around? God's faithfulness to you, does it depend on how faithful you are to God? God is steadfast, faithful. So even though you may have done some of those things in chapter two that we talked about, that doesn't mean that he is, that he is unfaithful. He is a faithful God and will be there to love us and to love others even when we fail. When we do wrong, this shows more clearly that he is right. However, this does not give us the, uh, the license to, to do what is wrong. That go, like, oh, it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter how I live. In fact, if I mess up, it only shows how good God is. We don't need to live our life like that. We need to be, as best we can, the model of Jesus in order to point people to God, and that is our mission. That is a mission statement at Lake Point Church. We point people to God, their relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we? What's one of the ways we point people with our life? How do we point people with our life as a model of Jesus Christ? When we mess up, God is there to forgive us every time if we confess that sin. Let me end verses nine through twenty. And I'm going to mention some things here that you may go walk away with sort of a sour taste in your mouth, but that's all right. Verses 9 through 20. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written... There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison... Of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You, here today, watching online, you're a very lousy person. Did you know that? I'm a very lousy person. I'm, as a human being, there's sin in this world, and many times I'm under the control of sin. In your natural self, you don't seek God. It doesn't matter if you attend church or have a Bible degree. You're unfaithful you don't fear God, all of those things that that I read, you and I are very lousy people. We're sin, we're sinful people. So why would we set ourselves up as as the supreme judge in God's court? Why would we think that God has has appointed us a supreme judge. Why would we think that? We are sinners just like the ones, just like the thugs in this life. So over the past two Sundays, last Sunday and today, I've introduced a big problem in mankind. I have introduced it. I mean, I didn't, Paul did. But we've been talking about the big problem of sin. Okay? Chapter one, we talked about Thugville. We visited Thugville and, and, and things that people do, and God's crossing his arms and saying, All right, go ahead. And then he turns right back to us and said, Oh, oh, are you judging? Really, you're judging. Okay, let me remind you of who you really are. You're a sinner, you're a hypocrite, you're a Christian atheist. <laughs> You're you're self-righteous just because you may attend a church, just because your family's a Christian, doesn't mean that you can hold on to that righteousness. The only thing that makes you righteous is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we have a problem, not just the thugs in this life, but even believers. And the Bible says that the judgment of God will start where? In the house of God. The judgment of God will start in the house of God, just like the judgment of God starts with the Jews and then for the Gentiles. The judgment of God starts with believers and then he'll visit everyone else. So church, you and I have gotta check our heart. We've got to check our heart. There is sin in our life. We need to confess it. We need to get right with the Lord. And we need to stop looking across the chasm of this world and passing judgment on people. But guess, guess what? Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. And his heart is hurting for them And he's crying tears for them. He is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching online, just an attitude of just um, reverence. If there's just some unconfessed sin in your life, passing judgment, I just want you to take this opportunity to just confess that to the Lord. If you've passed judgment on the thugs of this world, or if you have told people how to live a certain life, but yet you are living that same life, you need to confess that. If you're using your Christian privilege against others, You need to confess that. And if you've been living your life believing in God but not living like he exists, then you need to get right with the Lord. Heavenly Father, please forgive us. Your your judgment will start with the house of God, with your church. And so, Lord, search our hearts. See if there's any wayward way within us. Test us and know our thoughts. Don't let there be any offensive way between us and you, and definitely between us and your people, your creation the people you long to save. Lord, let us not be offensive with our words. Let us not be offensive with our actions, especially in today's climate. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today, last week and this week, I've talked a lot about the problem We'll come back next week because I get to introduce to you God's provision for that problem. But before you and I can walk through the provisions of God, and it's going to take about three chapters to do that, Paul explains that, before we can talk about the provisions of God, we've got to go to some confession. So this week, check your heart, check your heart. As you're scrolling through social media or looking at people or talking to people, whatever, check your heart. Make sure you're not setting yourself as a supreme judge in God's court because guess what? God don't need you. (laughs) He's got it taken care of. Come back next week. It's going to be more hopeful for you this next week. All right, love you guys. We'll see you all next week.